Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Saturday morning to It's Drive Time Radio. I am your host, New York Vinny. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on Drive Time, as we uh, do here every Saturday morning, 8 o'clock. Spend an hour talking about cars, talking about the car business, your cars, our cars, all the cars, the cool stuff about cars. There's so much cool stuff about cars going on these days. I mean, really, the business is exploding. Uh, as far as technology and changes to cars and things that are going on and cool cars that are coming um, off of assembly lines. You know, it used to be if you wanted a really cool car, you bought a stock model from the showroom. Maybe uh, if you were hip to how to order a car, you ordered it with a a four-speed or a a high-performance engine, and you did the rest. You know, you, you got wheels for it at the at the aftermarket, uh, usually at the, uh, what, what was it? Uh, well, you got Pep Boys or the aid store or something like that. Uh, the Worldwide Speed Shop, that's the speed shop I used to hang out at when I was a kid, the Worldwide Speed Shop on Northern Boulevard in Queens, Jackson Heights. And you, uh, you know, you fixed up your car, you got wheels, you got, uh, depending on what kind of, what you wanted, you could either, you know, you could always build a car that went faster. It was easy to work on your car in the driveway. Usually you had a friend that worked at a gas station. You could go and use the lift at the gas station if you wanted to throw a couple of thrush mufflers on there or something. But, I mean, it was it was a lot of do-it-yourself. Obviously, the do-it-yourself age in automobiles is still here, but you, you got to have a, a computer uh, you know, thing to... Uh, to reprogram the light when the light comes on. And uh, there's so many parts of a car now in the computer. But the manufacturers knew and know about this aftermarket uh, situation. I mean, they've been building accessories for these cars for years that you could go to your dealer and buy if you didn't want to um, didn't want to go to the <coughs> excuse me, to the jobber Joe and get them accessories were always there now you can buy um you know a 706 horsepower car off the showroom floor with great wheels great suspension great handling calibrated and built by factory engineers that have uh the ways and the means to balance a car out to make a car as safe as possible bigger brakes bigger uh you know better suspensions and you can do it across the line whether you want a uh car that that is built for a quarter mile strip whether you want a car that's built to go off road and take you up into nature i mean the ford bronco we'll be driving to ford bronco here in about a month and i'm here to tell you i've seen a couple of them i think ford's got a winner on their hands i've always loved the bronco uh i was never a ford fan growing up but i always liked the Ford Bronco. And there was something about it when it first came out in 1967. Uh, it was uh, it was just a cool um, car. A cool, and it wasn't even a car. It was really like it was a. It was the closest thing that I had seen to it before that was the uh, International Scout, which I think was introduced in '65 or something like that. Just a short wheelbase. A Jeep type vehicle. Well, yeah, yeah, the Jeep, of course. I mean, I'm forgetting about the Jeep. You had the Jeep, but yeah, I can't forget my father owned one. Um, but the Bronco, present day Bronco, uh, that has uh, been reincarnated. And we spoke to uh, somebody from Ford about it a, a few weeks ago. Uh, this is uh, this is going to be a winner, man. You're going to see these all over the place, uh, and they've built them in several different. Uh, configurations. So if you want something that's like kind of like a, 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 a sport utility vehicle for the street, you got one. If you want something that's going to, uh, you know, you can take down and run a rally in uh, on Baja, California or out in the, in the wild somewhere, 
they got one for you. If you want something that's a mild off-roader, it'll take you up to the, you know, up to the hills and away from everybody, which seems to be a very popular thing these days. Everybody wants to get away from everybody. Uh, it's, you know, you, you got one. So that's the cool thing about cars these days. Uh, I think I, I love the technology. Sometimes it's perplexing, but sometimes I sit down at this computer and it's perplexing to me. I sit there and I'm trying to figure something out and I consider myself to be fairly decent at figuring, you know, what's on the computer out. And yet it seems to be uh, sometime a, uh, a, a disconnect what's going on. Well, you know, the, the car manufacturers have made it pretty easy, I think, to, um, to, to, Operated cars. As a matter of fact, you know, we only get a week in these cars that we drive, and it's it's hardly time to learn everything that some of these cars can do. Uh, this past week, and we'll talk about the Mustang in another segment. Uh, but I drove the, the the new electric Mustang Mach E four wheel uh, four uh, four, which is all wheel drive, and. Um, well, we'll talk about it. We'll 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 wrap and flap about that coming up in just a few minutes. Also, um, we got a chance this week to spend a little time with the folks at Lexus, and a lot of exciting stuff coming down the line from Lexus. Maybe the most exciting thing that I saw. You know, they, they showed us a little bit of uh, their IS line uh, that's coming out. Their IS three hundred, uh, IS three fifty. Uh, which is their uh, midsize sports sedan in, uh, you know, ranging in the 40s to 50s range. And uh, I, I've driven them. It's it's a nice car. The one thing that they have done, uh, and it's, I think it's the biggest complaint they get about Lexus, and you can uh, throw the Lexus 500, IS 500 uh, picture up there, uh, Nathan, if you want to. Uh, that's the white uh, Lexus. Um, the great thing about, yes, that's it. Thank you. Uh, the great thing about the Lexus uh, is it's a, it's such a sharp-looking, well-designed car uh, that it's a beautiful car. And the thing that people will complain about with the car is not how the car drives, not how the car handles, not how the, 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 it's underpowered or anything like that. The biggest complaint about the Lexus is the system that they use uh, for the um, onboard you know, uh, system, the infotainment, all of that, the, the nav system and the radio and everything is tied into this, um, touchpad that you put your hand on and then you move your fingers. And, and that was the only way that you could do it. It was like, and it really took your attention off the road. Most people I've spoken to that, uh, that test cars out, complain about this thing. They say it's, it's, it's borders on being unsafe because you have to pay so much of your attention to this, um, this device that's right there that you sometimes have to take your eyes off the road. It jumps around. Well, Lexus has started to move toward fixing. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. There were people that, that like Toyota's better because their system is much easier. It's a touch screen and you just touch it and while you're driving and boom, you shouldn't be using these things while you're driving. But listen, that's like saying you shouldn't drink beer during prohibition. We know, you know, I know, everybody knows that people are driving down the street, you know, trying to find a place and they're moving their finger on this thing and it's jumping all around while a car's doing 40 miles an hour. And thank God that um, these cars, many of these cars now have uh, pedestrian protection. That does the Lexus. Uh, the Lexus has a thing now if a pedestrian walks out, it actually steers the car out of the way. I mean, the artificial intelligence in these things, it breaks the car. It, uh, you know, if you're not looking, it looks for you. And that's going to save a lot of lives. I know people are complaining about it, that the car is, is this and that, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's going out of the driver's control, but you got to do something. Uh, many, many people are getting killed or injured uh, by uh, people who just get on these devices in the cars and by between their phone 
And this thing, they're not looking. They're not paying attention. And people weren't the greatest drivers in the world to begin with before all of this stuff came along. But this is the, uh, the, the one that we're looking at now, the Lexus that we're looking at now is the um, IS500. This is going to be a special um, IS500 Sport Performance Launch Edition. And this car is beautiful. Uh, again, I haven't seen it uh, in person. I've just seen the pictures, but uh, the this what we're looking at here is the incognito interior, and uh, they're only going to build 500 of these. It'll be numbered. It'll be an exclusive edition. Uh, you'll be one of if you buy one, you'll be one of 500. They'll probably sell out quickly. They'll probably sell a few of them at Barrett Jackson. Or at least one or two of them at Barrett Jackson for charity, which they do every year now. It seems that there's always cars on sale for charity at Barrett Jackson, uh, the big auction down in Arizona, which is going on right now. You can watch on TV if you want to. It's, uh, it's crazy some of the prices uh, that they're getting for these cars. And it's crazy some of the cars that you see that are uh, coming out. So um, that's some of the stuff that's going on. Nathan? I think you need to ask me a question, don't you? Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? Oh, Nathan, I thought you'd never ask. Oh, man, I'm driving the, uh, what am I road testing this week? The Kia. I'm in a Kia. I haven't been in a Kia in a while. I love Kia. I love what they're doing. I love Kia and Hyundai. I love the cars they're building. I love the design. I love the style. I love uh, that they put a lot into a car for not a lot of money. They really, um, they have really come so far. It, it's just one of my, you know, th there are success stories. I love the story of people who are down and out, come back. And Kia is one of those stories. Kia is a story of a car that was, uh, when it first came over here in the early 90s, um, you wouldn't put your kid in. It was, it was that flimsy. Uh, it, it was um, just a really, she was a step above a Yugo. And what Kia has done in the 25 years or 22 years that they are here is they have turned a bad car into maybe the best car, the most bang for the money on the market. You look up and down their line and you find cars that are have value, have um, great equipment, forward thinking, fun to drive, and even in some cases, a little bit of luxury. Matter of fact, in, in the case of the K900, more luxury than anybody could handle behind a Kia nameplate. But the Kia K5 uh, GT line that I'm driving this week is, uh, and I don't know if we have, I don't know if I sent you a picture of that one, uh, but you can throw it up there for me if you can, is, uh, is a spectacular looking, and a very good uh, driving automobile. It's uh, you know the midsize compact. It is uh, a step you know it's a step above the smaller car. It seats five comfortably, four and a half really, but you can get five in there if you gotta. Uh, plenty of trunk room, well styled, uh, great engine, great transmission, and an easy and logical uh, onboard system. That uh, is, and it even has a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit of oomph to it. They're trying to, you know, with the GT line, they're trying to do sports sedan. Yeah, there it is. Uh, they're trying to do sports sedan, and I think they're doing it well. I mean, that's, you know, that's, it's, it's basically the same car as the Hyundai Sonata. And you know how much I love the Hyundai Sonata. I mean, I just raved about that car. And I'll rave about this one, too, so far. Uh, so far... An excellent ride. And if you're in the market for that kind of car, for that uh, family car, that uh, compact, uh, you know, larger end of the compact spectrum under full size, that is a great car for you to take a look at. We'll have a full review on it coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks. But that is the Kia K5 GT line. I like that it has, listen, I'll, you know, I'm one of those guys that even if I had a crappy car, when I was a kid, uh, and even even now, even if I have a crappy car, I'll throw a set of wheels on it or something to make it look good. You know, I, I, 
I just want a little bit of style on the car. You know, I mean, I think I was one of the first, I had a Cadillac when I was, I don't know, 18, 19 years old. I bought my first Cadillac, 69 black Coupe de Ville. I bought it off of this guy in Astoria. And immediately the first things I did with this car is I went to the, uh, to the uh, auto store and I bought four American fake wire wheels, chrome. And remember those American wheels? They had the wires and it came off. And um, put them on the car right away. I think it was the only guy driving a Cadillac around with wire wheels. It was the stupidest thing I could have done because they stole the car from me. And I don't know, it took them about two weeks uh, to come and steal the car. I mean, I finally got it back. Uh, they found it up in Harlem somewhere, but uh, <laughs> the wheels were gone. And uh, it's kind of a shame because it was, uh, it was my pride and joy. It was the, and it wasn't the first time I had a car stolen, but uh, it was, uh, it was just, it was a cool car. I saved up a lot of work, my ass off to get this car, to keep this car. And um, I just, uh, it just was gone. Bing, bang, boom. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk about the Mustang. Uh, also coming up, we have a thank you, Nathan, for our, uh, our, um, you know, Vinny, what are you driving this week? We'll talk to Nathan a little bit more later in the show and uh, get into the Dodge Norseman uh, sitting at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean when we come back here on Drive Time Radio. If you're searching for that perfect gift for the college-bound kid in your life, the Car Care Council suggests putting together a roadside emergency kit. An inexpensive roadside kit is easy to assemble and could be extremely useful, maybe even a lifesaver in the event of an emergency. Of course, it's always a good idea to be prepared for the unexpected while on the road, but the best option is to avoid breakdowns and car trouble wherever possible. Performing basic maintenance and observing a regular service schedule can help avoid unforeseen road emergencies. Roadside emergency items can fit into a small duffel bag or rubber storage tote and include the following. Jumper cables, emergency flares, flashlight and batteries, blankets and extra clothes, non-perishable snacks and bottled water, first aid kit, including essential medications, portable USB charger to keep the cell phone running even if the car isn't, ice scraper, snow brush, and small shovel for winter driving. And finally, keep a copy of the Car Care Guide available free of charge at carcare.org. Visit the Car Care Council's website to access a number of tips and resources for vehicle maintenance, including a free custom service schedule. Alternative Talk 1150, online at 1150kknw.com. Back with Drive Time here on 1150kknw. Thank you for listening. New York Vinny here with you, hanging out and um, spinning the car tales and cartoons and so much about uh, cars that we um, that we love uh, to talk about. And I get a chance to uh, drive nice cars and tell you about them and tell you about some of the nice cars in the past as well. We've got a cartoon coming up for you uh, this morning. Um, very cool one, I think. I think one of the cooler cartoons uh, that uh, we have had in a long time. And we'll see if you agree with that. All right, I wanted to talk, do a new feature on uh, Drive Time. Well, we kind of, I'm always a fan, you know, I was a fan of custom cars and show cars uh, back in the, uh, you know, the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. There were these great uh, show cars that were put up. Now, well, okay. Um, We have hot rods that were built by the great customizers like Dean Jeffries and George Barris and Ed Big Daddy Roth. And some of those uh, uh, ilk who were all based down in Southern California. And then you have the prototype cars, the cars that were dream cars of the designers in Detroit. And, you know, those, a lot of times you would see things on those cars and you still do to this day uh, that wind up in production vehicles. We first looked at the Chevrolet Volt as uh, a, a, a show car, a, a car built for car shows to show what the designers can do. We've, we've seen many cars, uh, the NSX, the Acura, so many cars 
start their lives as a particular show car, uh, a car that is uh, taken to auto shows and represents the best of what the designers can do. And then they take them to the different shows and show them off to people. And they take, uh, sometimes they make it fairly intact. Sometimes you see one or two of the, uh, of the uh, uh, design cues on these cars. Well, uh, the heyday of these cars, where they're cranking out, cranking them out as fast as they could, uh, as America was, and, and the, the heyday of design uh, in America, not just American um, automobiles, but really when it comes down to, you know, now we are in this technological boom. Uh, back in the, six, the 50s and the 60s, we were in a design boom. It's the way it looked. It's the way it felt in your hands. It's the, it was the wow factor. It was you looked at something and you went, wow. Now you go, wow, if you can push a couple of buttons on a square box and it tells you, okay, you know, but these design things got us things like the princess phone and, uh, you know, so many different, um, you know, advances, things that not only worked well, but look cool. And that was uh, the fifties and the sixties were a great era for that. And so the uh, designers at Chrysler, decided they wanted a full-size show car uh, for the upcoming auto shows to show off what Chrysler could do. Chrysler had a relationship with the Italian car maker Ghia. And Ghia, uh, G-H-I-A, probably well known to you if you're a Volkswagen fan for designing and building the Carmen Ghia, as well as many other uh, vehicles for different manufacturers. They... Um, uh, the Gear Studio was given the assignment by Chrysler of building uh, a pretty much full-size show car that could have, in fact, been transferred and, and you know produced. And they came up with the uh, the, the Dodge Norseman, and let's uh, put the picture of that up there. Uh, this is a car that uh, was going to hit the sh shores in 1956 and be ready for the probably the 1957 season. And uh, the first thing you notice about this car, besides its 50s shape and its enormity, is the fact that you don't see any windshield posts. Uh, the A-pillars are gone in this car. You have a wraparound windshield and no pillar coming down. You have a C-pillar, as you see in the back, uh, but it, um, it, uh, it was a very odd design for the day, and a lot of people questioned whether it actually would work and be roadworthy. Uh, the Chrysler engineers said that they could roll that car over eight times, or no, no, it would support eight times the car weight as it rolled over because they had, I guess, steel rods in the windshield, over in the uh, corners where the A-pillar would be. And they also, with PPG, developed uh, a special kind of glass that would um, sustain that, that kind of impact and not shatter and not crush. The roof would not come down on top of the car and take off everybody's head inside, which was a wonderful thing. That's what the, they were aiming for. And if you look at the back of the car, the rear window actually uh, was a power window and would roll up into the roof, opening up, as you can see, a nice area. It wasn't a convertible, but it was a car that was an open-air roadster, uh, a full-size car. You can see some of the styling cues that came off of this car uh, that found its way into some of the Chryslers. And actually... You know, it's funny, as I keep looking at this car, what I, you know, from the character line, it comes along the side of the car and the the roof line and the window and the C-pillar, tell me it doesn't remind you of a Marlin, uh, which was a, a car that was done by AMC in the, uh, in the middle 60s, 65, I think, 66, 67, uh, somewhere in there. You could, you could, I mean, if you looked at this thing, you'd say that was like a 57 Marlin. 
uh, you know, Nash, uh, excuse me, Rambler put that car together and look at how cool that, uh, that car, that is a cool looking car. You pull up uh, to, uh, you know, to a, a country club in that baby and tell them to get your golf clubs out of the back. It's a, a two plus two, had four bucket seats in it. Uh, it had a lot of things that we, uh, that you're finding cars today. Uh, I think there was a refrigerator in the middle of the console. You got the power windows. You had, I think, individual um, radio. You know, everybody could listen to their own radio station with headphones. It was um, it was way advanced for its time. I like the front. It invokes the Dodge. It also looks a lot like a Mercury, like a Ford product, though, too, in the front. But this was a beautiful car. And it never made it to the shores of the United States. They built this car. They sent the, they built it over in um, Italy at the Ghia Studios. They loaded it onto the ship, the Andrea Doria, which was the flagship of the um, of the Italian line. Put it in the garage hole. Put it, uh, some people say they put it in a crate. They didn't put it in a crate. It was in a. We'll go with it was in a crate. They put it on the ship. The ship came across the ocean and hit another ship uh, off the coast of New England and sunk. Was uh, was huge news in the day. It was one of the first times that television was able to cover a disaster uh, and and send you know um, camera crews out there to show you what was going on. Uh, there's so many famous pictures of the Andrea Doria uh, sinking out there. I think 50 something people died. They got many, many people off of the ship, but this car also went down with it. And, um, uh, in, in future, in, in, in later years, I should say, uh, uh, divers had gone down and one diver had reported that he had seen the car and, uh, it was, you know, obviously just, uh, a mess, you know, rusted away. And he said, the only thing that was still, you could still see were the tires uh, that were, uh, you know, still in great shape. I guess tires don't, uh, and that, uh, that tells you what's happening when you put your tires, uh, when they, you know, put all those tires on those uh, barges and take them out into the middle of the ro- um, uh, ocean and dump them. So this is the Dodge Norseman. Uh, I love the name. They probably would have sold, sold a million of them here in Seattle because of the name. I mean, how could you imagine how many Oles and Olafs and, and Swedish guys and, and Nordic guys in Ballard would have been driving these things. It would have looked like a convention, uh, in the, um, in Ballard and uh, all around town when you, it, when these cars, uh, if, if they actually came out with, uh, a car called the Norseman, I mean, people would have just been buying these. I know that, um, uh, you know, that, that my dad was friends with a lot of uh, Nordic people. He was a member of the Odd Fellows Club, and they were all in together. And all of those guys were uh, were, were, were good car guys. A lot of them had, had, had really nice cars and did well for themselves. And um, I'm sure that this would you would have seen a lot of these cars if they had produced this car. And I'm not saying they were going to, but if they had ever produced this car, I'm thinking you would have seen a ton of these things around Seattle. If you want to know more about it, search um, Hemmings Motor News. They have, I think, probably the best article on this car. And uh, just a, a fantastic, fantastic ride. And, uh, you know, to look at and to uh, to just wonder about uh, what would have been if it would have been made it to the shores, if it would have made it to the auto shows, if there would have been great reaction to it. And if it would have been put into uh, production. So that's, uh, as I say, a new segment we're going to try to uncover and tell you about some of the really cool cars uh, of the past that, you know, have just kind of, you know, they're sitting in people's garages somewhere. I'm sure somewhere in Seattle. Well, listen, we did. We talked about one last week. Remember the Shamrock? Uh, that's, a, you know, one of six cars built and one of them is here in, she- in Seattle. I remember a couple of years ago, well, a few years ago now, seven, eight years ago, I went to Cuba and uh, looking for uh, some of the Corvettes that were sent to Cuba in the 50s. And there's not many. I think there's seven on the island. And we found two of them. And it was really cool to, you know, go into a garage and see 
the, um, the, the cars there. There's a video actually on YouTube of it. You can find it. And um, just, uh, you know, it's, it's finding the lost car of your youth, finding Ed Big Daddy Roth's Rat Fink or, you know, George one of George Barris's customs uh, or cars like that, uh, that um, when we were a kid reading those hot rod magazines, we used to look at and draw pictures of on our notebooks if you were a car person. All right, time now for our cartoon of the week. We do this uh, every week. We dig out a car tune, which is a tune that is written about or uh, about a car or about driving uh, or about an experience, an automotive related experience. And believe you me, we've run the gamut with this thing. Now, one of the things that is happening in the music business is you don't hear, you know, when, when years ago and not too many years ago, instrumentals were popular you know people just uh, sat down and you hear you know smooth jazz you hear it a, a lot but just playing out instrumentals used to hit the pop charts now it's a segmented part of music you don't hear uh many songs that are just you know uh musicians sitting around uh writing something and riffing but uh this one is an instrumental and i i I first heard this song uh, done by Alan Hawkshaw, which is, he is a uh, British composer. And I just, I was so taken back to the 1950s and 60s and, and all those, um, all, all those drives, to, you, you know, the TV shows when you saw the, the car and the guy and the girl driving down the Pacific Coast Highway uh, through Santa Monica, Malibu, or, uh, 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 Wanimi Bay, you know, one of the Port Wanimi, or you know, just that whole California feeling. Uh, it really, and yeah, a, a California feeling is a good feeling. It's a warm day, the breezes, uh, the, the ocean breeze is whipping through your hair, you're in a convertible, and just picture you and the woman you love, the man you love next to you, whoever you love next to you, you're holding hands. And you're driving down the Pacific Coast Highway, headed toward a, a beautiful dinner at an oceanside restaurant. And this is what you might hear coming on the radio. There you go, Alan Hawkshaw, celebrating his 85th birthday today uh, from the album Hotel Easy. Alan Hawkshaw, a British composer. He does a lot of TV themes, British TV themes, movie scores, so on and so forth. It's kind of, I guess... I don't know, would you call him the Randy Newman? I don't know. I listen to that thing and I hear, I listen to that song. What a pretty song it is. And I hear Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass and I hear Burt Backrack and all of that, just that California breezy lifestyle of the 70s that many of us who lived on the East Coast and I'm sure many people up here. Uh, in Seattle and in the Northwest looked at and said, I want I want a piece of that. That's what I want my life to be like. I want to be, uh, you know, I want to be uh, Tony Roberts riding an Eldorado convertible down Sunset Boulevard, stopping for a hamburger and, uh, and, and watching the world go by. And uh, the name of that one was Girl in a Sports Car. I know it's, uh, you know, today it would be a different title probably, but uh I love that song. It just, uh, it puts me in a, you know, it, it does what music is supposed to do. It puts you in a good mood. Uh, you know, download that, put that in your, uh, in your iTunes or in your, uh, on your Spotify and uh, crank it up while you're driving down I-5 or driving down Ocean Beach or something like that and get yourself a real piece of, uh, of that, that lifestyle. You know, one of the interesting things that happened uh, this week uh, in car stuff, if you will, is our producer Nathan uh, took his car in for service. Nathan is a, is um, owns a Mazda three, and took his car in for service. And Nathan, why don't you jump in here and um, let's talk about this a little bit because I thought it was a really interesting thing uh, that happened. And you uh, you got a video from the dealer uh, 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 just trying to talking to you about your 
air filters, your filtration system in the car, and of course your air filter. And uh, it was interesting because now what dealers are doing is they're um, they're they're trying to sell you um, extra upsell you is what they call it at the dealership uh, stuff by doing a video of what's wrong with your car. Here's exactly what it is. This is the the filter, and maybe you need to replace it. Maybe on a future trip you need to replace it. Uh, what do you think about that, Nathan? Well, I don't think exactly they were trying to sell me or upsell on the air filtration system with both the engine air filter and the cabin air filter. It was getting to the point where I knew I was going to need uh, new filters eventually. Right. But I think what they were actually trying to do is to help create more transparency between the consumer and the mechanic to let them actually see what they're doing in their work and showing you why they're telling you the things they are. So one of the things would be like checking your brakes, checking your fluid levels and the contamination levels. One thing I saw on there was my engine, my brake fluid. It was, I had a feeling it was going to be getting closer to the point where they would recommend flushing it because I was at around 35,000 miles. And that's around the point where they would uh, say or recommend to flush your brake fluid. So they took right. a little uh, test strip and they put it into the brake fluid to check the contamination level. And if it showed up to be like a dark purple or magenta color, then it was at the point where it's going to need flushing. But once they put the test strip into the brake fluid and they ran it, it was only a very light pink. So they were showing, yeah, it's around the time that your brake fluid's going to need flushing. But right now it's in very good condition. So we don't need to do that at this time and probably won't need another maybe three to five service appointments until maybe they would consider doing that. See, now you are the optimist. I, I, I like that. I like optimism in people. I am the cynicist. <laughs> I am a guy who was, you know, I mean, I spent years in the automotive business and I know it's changed from when I was in it, but yet, there's still that that drive, you know, the object of the of the game when you come bring your car into a dealership or really any repair shop, but mostly a dealership is to not just put oil in your car, not just change your own, but to sell you as much as they can. And I look at it as a new way to to sell you something. And yeah, it's subliminal. It's not. You got to do this. You got to do that. And there's a certain amount of transparency. But as I, as we talked about off air, there is an opportunity also for them to, you know, they don't show you, they didn't show you, I'm talking about the filters now in that particular video. Uh, it, it just seems to me there's a lot of room there for a, um, you know, if you're a, if you're a less than honest dealer and, and listen, we all know there are less than honest dealers out there you know, and less than honest mechanics out there. We all know it. So it's, it's, it's nothing that you should, that, that, that you know, that, that anybody doesn't know. It gives them an opportunity. If you're not buyer beware to say, Oh, okay, do it, do that, do this. You know, all oh, this showing it to me on video. The second thing I don't like about it. And that's just me is now all the mechanics are going to have to look like Broadway actors. <laughs> you know, what are they going to come with next? Are they going to have, you know, the dancing people coming in, you know, with the la, 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 la. Or there's Gary Payton or Sean Kemp, you know, standing next to your car saying, dude, you need a filter, man. You need to buy this filter now. And then moving on to the next car, you know, I mean, will they start hiring people to, uh, you know, who's a, a video consultant, you know, and they can come across on camera, look into the camera and say, you, Nathan. You know, they kind of did that in my video. I sent it over to you so you could see what I was talking about. And one of the mechanics in the background, he was just waving and saying, hey, what's up? And doing quirky things in the background like they were on a YouTube video. Yeah. it's Everybody wants to be a star, but it's an interesting way for dealers to communicate with people. I wonder if, I wonder if people are going to see it as a useful tool or invasion of their privacy. You know, um, I know that when I get emails that I didn't ask for, now maybe some people ask for it. Maybe some people, you know, and probably I'm sure sign a thing when you go in there saying, 
that you allow us to communicate with you by email or however, you know, call your cell phone. I mean, all a million of dis disclaimers that we sign and we never read um, because we want the product. Although, Snake, I suspect that you read everything you sign, don't you? I read everything on the full circle inspection. I read what they did. I don't necessarily read what's by the dotted line in X. Okay, so so when you go to an app and the app says, you know, I agree to the terms, and there's like you know <laughs> four pages of terms there. Do you read the terms? No, I'm one of those people where I just click accept or I agree, or I might check to see what it's maybe allowing for really quickly on the pop up, but I don't click the read more button to get into right, the fine right. print. Right, because obviously we wouldn't we wouldn't have enough time in a day to read. If you have 100 apps on your phone, you wouldn't have time in your life to read all of the uh, contracts that you have to sign. And it's, it's, and it's interesting, but I'm sure when you go to a daily, you sign a thing that says you are allowed to um, send me videos. And I think a lot of people like those videos. All I'm saying is beware, because as, a, as an old cynical car guy, who um, has dealt with uh, dealers and, and service managers and so on and so forth, I see um, room for trouble. Y you know what I'm saying? So, And I'd be interested in, in you, the listener, you, the viewer, uh, on YouTube, tell, uh, on, excuse me, on um, uh, Facebook, writing in about this and just let me know, would you consider a video that you uh, got from an auto dealer about your car? Would you consider that an invasion of privacy or would you welcome that kind of thing? Uh, would you look at that and say, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, that's groovy that they have, you know, New York Vinny over here at the Brotherton Cadillac sending me a video saying, hey, this is New York Vinny from Brotherton Cadillac uh, GMC. And we're, uh, you know, here's your tires. And look at this, man. You need uh, four new tires on there. Well, and would it make it another interesting question? Would it make a difference if you had kind of a, a you know a greasy mechanic sending you that stuff, or a guy that uh, you know a, a, a polished media professional uh, looking at you and saying, "Hey, hey, Mr. Jones, you need you know if if Gary Payton was walking from car to car in the service department saying, "Hey, Mr. Schwartz." You need this for your car, blah, blah, blah. Oh, he wouldn't say it exactly like that, but you know what Gary, Gary said, man, you got to get this for your car. You got to get, you need this. And uh, so I think it's an interesting concept. All right, 848, real what do you see? We, we, oh, I'm sorry, you're going to say something? Oh, yeah, I was just going to say real quick. I think it's, they're actually trying to fix the video. They use, it's called True Video. So they just yeah. send it to you and then you can share it if you'd like. It's not like a public YouTube or Vimeo oh, yeah, thing. Yeah. But I think they're actually trying to fix because in the past, car mechanics have always been one of the least trusted professions. So I think oh, it yeah. might be an opportunity for them to sort of allow more room for trust between them so that they can see what's going on and really have some reason. If they do it correctly, you know, like you said, if they're right. out there editing videos, I might trust them less because I know they have the power to edit and make things look differently. But if they don't do much editing, I think it could be a really great service. And, and, yeah, and I don't think it's even editing so much, Nathan, as it is, um, you know, listen, it wouldn't be, again, there are good dealers and there are mm. bad dealers. Uh, you know, there could be, there could be a dealer that, uh, you know, saves that air filter from car to car to car to car. He's just walking down each car and showing it to people. And he's selling, you know, 600 air filters uh, a, a month or, you know, like that. Uh, so I, I, I see and I understand the part about transparency. And if I saw an edit in one of those things, yeah, I might think I might think something like that. I might think that this is not right. Um, uh, so. It's a double-edged sword, and all I'm saying here is consumer, uh, buyer, beware, because you could wind up, uh, you know, it, it could be a lot of trouble before it's all over. And, um, you know, again, with uh, when you have that kind of, um, uh, th there's room to make you see things 
And maybe I feel like this because I watched The Social Dilemma last night, and I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I tell you, you want, to see, you want to watch something that'll sway you off of social media, man. Watch The Social Dilemma on, on uh, Netflix. Whoa. <laughs> um, anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. We were going to jump into... Uh, into the uh, into the road test, but before we before we do that, uh, again, I just wanted to uh, uh, thank Nathan for coming on and sharing that with us because I found it extremely interesting. And what I want to start doing with, with the show as we uh, move forward is to um, talk a bit more about uh, get get you involved a bit more that are uh, listening out there with phone calls and, uh, and so on and so forth. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the Mustang. I drove the Mustang Mach four this past week, and I was totally impressed with this car. Uh, yeah. I, you can listen. If you are a long time Mustang owner, if you are used to, uh, a two door, uh, you know, Mustang, that is, uh, you know, it's a sports car or kind of the American version of a sports car. Yeah, the Mustang is, um, uh, this is blasphemous in in many ways to you. I mean, the, the, the original Mustang uh, was that way too uh, for many people. Is, you know, you're, you're building this car that's uh, short back, long nose you know basically a two-seater you wouldn't want to cram two people in the back if you didn't have to at least on a long trip uh but it was revolutionary in its day it was uh something different something that hadn't been seen before and the electric mustang fits right into that category the electric mustang is something that we have not seen before it is a sporty Fun to drive, interesting, engaging vehicle. It has four doors and a hatchback. I consider it to be much more of a sports hatchback uh, or crossover than I would say an SUV. And if you look at the lines, it has kind of uh, the Mustang character lines to it. Uh, certainly the front and the rear look like a Mustang. But they have, uh, you know, and then there's other people that say, well, you know, it kind of looks like, um, it kind of looks like a Mustang that, uh, or, or an SUV that they stuck, a, you know, a Mustang bumper on in the back and a Mustang nose on in the front. Now, I'll tell you, it's more than that. It is one of the technologically most advanced vehicles uh, that I've ever had the pleasure to drive. I fell in love with this car. I thought that this car handled well. I thought that it drove perfectly. I thought it was one of the fastest things that I had ever driven. I mean, good God, you put the, you know, it has three modes on it and you put it into Yippee-I-O-K-I-A. And let me tell you, it goes Yippee-I-O-K-I-A. It becomes a Bronco Mustang. Man, you're sitting on that thing and it's going. I mean, it flies on the freeway. Um, handles well, it's, you know, you have the steering problem uh that and it's not a problem really just the the light steering feeling and you have the uh the, the big screen uh the the tv set that uh, is sitting in the, in the middle of your dashboard uh that controls everything the car is spectacular it's roomy it 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 drive like i say it drives well it's attractive it's something that you want in your driveway, especially if you're an early adopter, if you're one of those people that say, I got to have this thing first. It is excellent. It really, um, it, it brings back that same spirit of 1964 and a half when you drove a Mustang down the street and there weren't many of them out there and people looked at it. I can't tell you how many people stopped and took pictures of this car uh, while I was driving it down the street. Probably as many as the Corvette, maybe even more. I, mean, I had people on, if I took the ferry over to Polesbo, I had people there uh, taking pictures of it on the ferry. Uh, every time I parked it somewhere and sat and watched, you know, one of the things I love to do when I get a call like this is I'll go to a place like uh, 
Cafe Ladro in West Seattle or, uh, or uh, you know, someplace uh, or Dick's Drive-In over here in or down uh, right where you see the car by the Edmonds Waterfront, one of my favorite spots. And I'll just sit there and sit on a park bench or something and watch people gaze at the car. And uh, more people stopped, got out, took pictures of this car uh, than the Corvette. It's, it's now number one in pictures taken. So that respect, it is a great car. Here's the downside of the car. They have to come up with a system where you're going to plug this car in somewhere while you're getting a cup of coffee or so on and so forth, and it charges. It gets to 80%. Or 90%. One of the biggest problems I had with this car is keeping it on a, a more than 50% charge. Now, as I went through the week, I got the hang of it. And I started to figure out what charges were good to use, what charges weren't. And if you see the big charge, like there's a great charger uh, at Northgate. Uh, you see him right there across from the Target. Uh, they're large. They have green lights around those Electrify America chargers. Uh, the ones down by Target in Tukwila. Great chargers. They give you 80% of a charge in about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. So you plug in, you go in a store, and you got, you know, uh, 100 miles out of it. So that's the sacrifice that you're going to have to pay. Uh, it, you, you're going to have to get on that Electrify America. And I got and I and I got to say this, Polsbo, Kitsap Transit, the charger that you have in your bus station uh, in Polsbo is an absolute piece of crap. You can't see through the screen. You have to click a circuit breaker to get it going. I don't know who sold you this thing, Kitsap, and I applaud the effort to put a charger there in the bus station so people can leave their trouble. You bought the wrong chargers, folks. You really did. But the 2022 Mustang is a winner. This car is something that uh, is divisive among people, is controversial, but you want to drive one. You want to check it out. And if you're looking for a commute car, something that where you drive less than 100 miles a day, you definitely should be looking at the Ford Mustang Mach-E 4. That's another edition of Drive Time. I'm New York Vinny. Thanks so much for listening. We will catch up with you uh, on Monday morning with Mikey and Vinny at 10 right uh, here on Facebook Live and on 1150 KKNW. Have a good day.